As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It is a weird edition of our podcast in that there are no games or no practices. We're not in the off season. We're in a pause. Is that the right word? Pause, postponement, any of that, the above? Yeah, well, the NHL is calling it pause. They, they're hoping that it's a pause, you know, but um, this is strange days. I think that Jonas, you and I might live until we're in the retirement home, and this might be the weirdest period of our lives. I, it's, I don't know. Everyone's quarantined in their house. I, did, I didn't, this didn't seem like a possibility to me if you would have asked me three months ago. Well, how about even a week ago? I mean, we were recording that podcast with Ray. Um, and even like in the hours and the day after that, it felt like things had changed really dramatically. And now it feels more serious. And it's, it's hard to, I don't know if you're finding this. I'm getting a, I feel like I, I'm, I want to read and hear about what's going on. And yet I also don't like it's, it's a little overwhelming. It's just something like you said, we've never confronted in our lives and probably will never, well, maybe hopefully never confront again. It's just like all these things you're having to contemplate that you never contemplated before. Yeah. I mean, you, you start think like, is this part of the new normal? (laughs) Is this, is this going to happen again? Is this, I mean, I got, I got two little kids and they don't, on, they're five and one. They don't understand what's going on. Um, the school and daycare is all canceled. So they're home every day. Uh, my my wife, I've never talked about this before. My wife writes about health policy and health journalism. So she's she's really busy right now. This is kind of like her trade deadline. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's and then my son's really sick right now. So it puts you on super high alert when something like that happens. And you know what? It, it almost, it makes our job, it puts our job in perspective, doesn't it? Like I sat down on Friday night to write something about the Leafs and it's like, I, like this stuff is so inconsequential. Like we're, you know, at the newspaper, they always called the sports section, the toy department. And it, it really kind of, I don't know. 
we're not we're writing about like how are the players going to get back to practice and like stuff that just is really bullshit in comparison to everything else and you know i was talking to bruce arthur yesterday and he basically said he's going to be writing he's going to be writing columns that aren't about sports anymore and i think that if you know if i was at a newspaper i probably wouldn't be writing about sports anymore at this point um so that's i don't know it's a, such a strange strange time to, to your point talking about you know reading about it all the time and being on twitter and seeing all this stuff it's you know i i recommend to people that like yeah you want to be kept in the loop and you want to know what's going on but try not to try not to get into in the kind of the the spiral of of it it getting you really really down every day um well and it's hard when you're when you're having to stay in your house the whole time um but to your point, like I started to feel that way at the end of the California trip and those games in, in Anaheim and LA, it started to feel like what we were writing about, what we're like our job is didn't feel as consequential because there are like real world issues. And then obviously that, that Tuesday night game, the last game um, before the pause, when the Leafs played Tampa, I wrote about Morgan Riley coming back. And even that like felt like it felt weird to be writing about that and kind of like putting aside everything that's going on in the world, um, it does kind of teach you or it's it's taught me how important or reminded me how important it is to have like the right direction from people in charge. And I think if we had a better understanding of how urgent this was two weeks ago, a month ago, I think it would have helped things, especially with these leagues. Like it felt weird. Like I started talking to you after that Tampa game about whether I should go to Boston because it, 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 and yet it didn't, it started to feel urgent, but it didn't feel as urgent as it maybe it should have. And that's a little freaky. And, and I, I sort of understand it because it's unprecedented and like, nobody knows how to handle this because it's, it hasn't happened in our lifetimes. No. And I think what you're seeing with a lot of people, I was driving around on, I want to say, uh, Saturday and I couldn't believe it. like it, there was like traffic jams all over the city and there was like all the stores were full of people and all the restaurants were full and it's like oh man like a lot of people aren't listening and I think I think they're not listening because in part because it's human nature you know it, when something's yeah. never happened before it's hard it's hard for people to kind of grasp that and I think the other thing too is that you know a lot of people don't trust the news like a lot of people you know stuff like you know remember there was the avian flu and there was SARS and there was there have been these other outbreaks and people just think this is another one and this one's just going to be the same and not that many people are going to be affected and it never affected me before and it's not going to affect me now and it's it's a been a real challenge societally to get people to understand how serious this is you know, I was I was calling elderly members of my family and talking to them about this, and they they really didn't. Um, some of them didn't really have grasp the situation, so it's kind of scary. Okay, well, you threw out on Twitter um, suggestions for things that we could talk about, and a lot of the responses were actually that people don't want to talk too much about this, and I totally understand that because I'm feeling the same way. Like I'm looking, like I subscribe to dozens of podcasts. 
and I'm trying to find ones that aren't talking about this stuff just because I need a break from it. But I think we do have to talk a little bit more about one thing and then we can talk some leaf stuff because it is the leaf report podcast. Um, I can't wrap my head around how they're going to bring back the season. What, what about you? Like, I feel like it's done and we're just kind of waiting. They're going to try like they're going to, I think what they're going to try and do Jonas is and part of why all the memos that they're sending to GMs and, and, and to players and everything are like, they want the players to aggressively self-quarantine. And I think that's because they're going to try and save some kind of a season. And I think what they're going to try and do is turn the players into like 750 versions of bubble boy. And just <laughs> the, they're, I'm not kidding. Like, I think they're going to just try and like, they're going to live in like a really isolated sense and play games in front of no one. Like, I, I wonder if they just had like, I don't know. Like maybe you just have like no staff in the building and like one cameraman and I haven't paid attention. I know some of the European leagues have done this and I saw that um, UFC is doing it. They've been having fights with with no fans in the building. We had a story on, on The Athletic today about the the mixed martial arts folks fighting in front of empty buildings. I think the NHL is going to try. Now the CDC's guidelines are eight weeks um, of this quarantine. So the NHL is hoping that six weeks the players are quarantined and don't do anything. Then they can work out for two weeks and then they can resume. Oh, the regular season's over. You know, I had people telling me the regular season was over as soon as they paused the season because there just wasn't going to be enough time. Now the question is, can they play some kind of a playoff? Can can they? I wonder, Jonas, even if it's like best of three or something, if they try and play the playoffs. And, you know, best of three is probably half as long as a best of seven for the four rounds. So you could do it in like a month. Could they do a best of three playoffs starting in, I don't know, middle of May or late May. Um, and then you just have an asterisk next to the cup winner for, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a really, really strange time. And it's a strange time. Like I said, for us to be talking about this kind of stuff. Well, I just don't see how you don't encounter the same problems even in May because like even let's say you don't allow fans into the games, players are still going to go home. Their partners or kids or like people are still going to go out and all it takes is like one player to get it to have exactly what happened in the NBA happen in the NHL. Like I just don't know how you avoid that even if you wait six weeks. I guess at that point, maybe this curve that everyone's talking about has gone down to the point where it's it's less uh dangerous anyway i don't know how much you, you want to dig into this stuff um because it is oh like I scary we, and depressing i think we can talk about it but what do you think of that like i just don't see i don't see how they avoid this well i mean they're hoping that the quarantines are are better than what italy did i mean apparently italy they didn't they were all like too many people didn't listen and went to the beach and went to the ski resorts and had a party and whatever. And now like something like 400 people died yesterday or something like that. And I saw, I don't know if you saw this Jonas, but last night someone had a drone flying over Northern Italy. And it's just like, it looks like that movie. What's that movie? 28 days later or whatever. The one where like everyone's gone and mm -hmm. the, the humanity's emptied out. That's what it looked like. It's like, Holy cow. It's crazy. Um, I think you're right. I, 
a few days ago, I was saying I think it's like 50-50 that they can play any kind of games. And I think it's way lower than that right now. So it keeps getting lower every day. Well, and so it's going to have, obviously, all kinds of implications for the world. Forget about the NHL. Um, but you wrote about the cap not that long ago. And we kind of touched on this a little bit with Ray. But what will this do to the cap next year? Because is there anything they can do to make, like, I don't know, an exception because if you're the Leafs, yeah. you've been planning on the idea that the cap is probably going to be in this ballpark. And now, like, if the revenues are down, what happens? Yeah, anyone that's saying the cap is going to crash way down is – it's not it's not real. Like, in normal circumstances, what they do is they take the revenues of the year before, and then the NHLPA can apply uh, an escalator or an inflator and, and raise that number a little bit. And then that's how they determine what the cap's going to be. That That's how – like – the cap calculation is not that complicated. It's it's very heavily influenced by what the revenues of the year before are. So, but they don't have to do that. The the NHLPA and the NHL can pick any number they want for the cap. They can. Hmm. I think the lowest the the only question Jonas is okay. Let's say the season's canceled, the playoffs are canceled. That's gonna the players are gonna have like whatever twenty five percent escrow. They're gonna lose like a big chunk of their paycheck, um, which just makes sense. So it's not like it is going to affect their income. It's going to affect, you know, teams are going to lose a lot of money. Um, but next season, do you think revenues for the NHL are going to are going to bounce back to where they were this year or the year before? Like, are they going to – it's hard to say with, like, what's going to happen to the world economy and what's going to – you know, or a lot of people are going to be really hard hit by this. And yeah. are they going to be as willing to pay – you know, look at what season tickets cost for uh, – for an NHL team in most markets, it, it's thousands and thousands of dollars a year. You know, I've already seen people t- complaining that they're not getting a refund for the rest of the regular season games um, in the comments on The Athletic. I've seen, you know, people are complaining that their teams are asking for money for the playoff tickets. And so it, my answer to that is if revenues for next year are going to be greatly impacted by what's happening to the, the economy in North America then it makes sense to bring the cap down a little bit or to leave it flat. But it's not going to, like, we're not going to all of a sudden have like a $73 million cap. It's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, because it would, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fair. Um, what well, doesn't anyone, even make right? sense, right? Like yeah. you don't have to base the cap on a year when you only play 68 games, like, and, and no playoffs. Like there's no, there's no rule in the CBA that says they have to use that, that number. So, my guess is it'll probably be about flat. That's my guess. Hmm. And then, like, if next year revenues are crashed way down, then escrow goes up a little bit, and they they live with that. I mean, that's <laughs> I think that's the least of anyone's concerns that that players are going to pay higher escrow next year. <laughs> like that. That's my take on that. Is that there's no way that we're dealing with a really low cap. Like, like it's just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It would screw everything up. Teams would have to like trade a whole bunch of, like you said, teams have been planning on as if the cap's going to be, you know, I talked to, when I wrote, I wrote about the cap when we were in California and I talked to some teams for that and they were planning on, you know, the NHL came out and said the cap's going to be 84 to 88 million or whatever. And they were, the teams I talked to were saying like, I don't, I don't think it's going to go up that much. So most teams are planning around like an 83, 83 and a half million dollar cap. And while it might be a little bit lower than that, I don't think it's going to be that much. 
Well, so how would you feel? Um, I've been trying to put myself in, in people's shoes and, and wondering, like, if I was the Leafs and I was their front office, like, how would I feel about this season if it just doesn't happen? Like, if they don't come back and you're like, the Leafs are one team that obviously has had their troubles this year. But I've been thinking about, like, if I was a really, if I was a team that's had everything going right, like if I was Boston and the season just got wiped away, what would I think about my year? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I've been trying well, to contemplate. This, Jonas, like, Jonas, imagine, imagine you trade your first round pick and you like trade, you try and load up at the trade deadline because you got a chance to contend. And, yes, I mean obviously, like we, I don't want to. We're not going to say this anymore. It'll be the last time I say it. But obviously, like there's like way more important things going on. But um, yeah, like teams traded their first round pick to get guys that played like eight games for them or whatever or five games for them. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think. To quote, um, to quote the Austin Matthews, shit happens. Like, <laughs> that's the teams are just gonna have to. Like, that's. I mean, what's the league supposed to do, right? They can't like reverse all the trades or whatever. That's just they're gonna have to live with all that. And but all of these things. This is why the league really wants to try and play some games and have some semblance of the NHL playoffs. And I hope that we do because that means that things aren't as bad as it looks like they're going to be. Well, so in that kind of scenario, you would just, like I've heard some different places talk about it, you would just, the teams that are in now basically would be in? Is that kind of how it would work? What they want to do is they want the teams that look like they for sure were going to get in. They they all get guaranteed a spot. And then the teams that were more on the bubble, like the Leafs, would have to have some kind of a play-in game. That's what they want to do. But I don't know if they're going to have time to do that. Like ideal world for them, they're back. Eight weeks takes us to uh, middle of May, like right? The second week of May, yeah. So ideal world, they're training early May, and then games start middle of May. They have one, maybe they have one play-in game. Like let's say the Leafs have to play the Panthers, and whoever wins that one game gets to be the third seed in the Atlantic. And they might do, they might have like six of those play play-in games, six or. Um, the number I was given was 22 teams make the playoffs. So nine teams would be eliminated. Their season's over. Goodbye, Ottawa. Goodbye, LA, Anaheim, Detroit, New Jersey, Chicago. But the teams that are on the bubble, the league really wants to give them a chance. You know, if you were the Rangers or the Panthers or Columbus or Winnipeg, or they don't want to eliminate teams based on 0.02 of a points percentage. So they want to have these play-in games, which would be incredibly intense like imagine there's a one game they they imagine they have one night where there's like four games or i think there's gonna be six is what they talked about anyway i don't actually see how that again i still don't see how this can work like so for the first time they're just gonna practice a bit and then play for the first time in like two and a half months just a one-off and that's gonna be the savior season season. (laughs) yeah i don't think this is gonna work but hey i hope i'm wrong yeah, I mean, I hope they can do all this, but that's that's the way they're talking, and there are like, if you're the PA, like you gotta you gotta worry that guys are gonna get hurt, right? You gotta yeah. worry like, so well, that's why so there's like, all we this. Can talk like, about it. like one of the compli- one of the complications right now is they can't go to an arena, they can't yes. go to a gym. It's not like they can go to Good Life Fitness and work out every day. They can't do anything. Uh, did you see Serge Ibaka's uh, tweet last night of him working out in his living room? 
I heard it. About was, it, it was yeah. really fun. It was really funny. <laughs> I got I got uh, I got a smile out of that one. Well, and see, that's he's got this happy music playing, and he's like doing like all these stretches, and it's it's pretty funny. Well, like, how are you supposed to stay in shape, like real shape, if you can't skate? Like, part of I don't know. Anyway, like, um, maybe we should look at at some of the responses you got, just because we can talk about this crazy situation forever. Yeah, well, we're kind of we we were doing the podcast today. It's like, what are we going to talk about? It's like, let's let's see what people want to hear us talk about, and and we can get into some of that stuff. Okay, so let, let's bounce around through some of these because these are fun. Um, well, fun for us. Uh, so one person asked, "This is I don't like to to do the names just because sometimes the names are really." funny for the handles but this one's pretty easy daniel tiller he asked what the term and dollar could look like on a possible frederick anderson extension i think before we we actually look at or theorize off the top of our heads what that would look like is the idea of whether it's actually a good idea to do it uh i wrote about this briefly like really briefly at the top of a monday column i don't actually think i would touch that I, I think I'd go into next season with Campbell and Anderson on the contracts they're on. Obviously, Campbell's already signed for the next two years. I would not extend Anderson. Let's start there with you. No. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, and you can let him play out the year, and if he has a spectacular year, then you can offer him a three-year deal or something, take it or leave it. And we're seeing teams more and more get more aggressive with the goalie contracts. You know, And goalies that have good seasons are having a hard time getting term. And why would you give out term on a goalie? I would, especially an older goalie. And the thing too with Anderson, like I, I like Anderson's been consistent until this season, but he's been consistently like, it's not like he's been the best goalie in the league. Like I'm no, not going to pay been him. Like, he's been I'm like the 10th him, to 12th James. I'm not going to pay him more than five. Like I'm not giving him a big raise over what he's got, especially with the year he's had this year. And the other thing too, is they haven't had playoff success and he hasn't been good in any of those series. They need a goalie that can steal them a playoff series or that's a lot cheaper than 5 million. But you know what's hard about that, James? And this is like, this is the dilemma with, with goalies like him and like goalies generally is once you don't have something that's even like him, like something that's approaching steadiness, consistency, and, well, then and someone it can who's, sink your season. then it can sink your season. Like then you just like spin your wheels constantly. Like I look at the Carolina Hurricanes and, and like you, you can be a really good team but you look at like their goalies and, and granted, well, we could see how the season could play out, but I don't have a ton of confidence that I can win a cup with Mrazic and Reimer as my, my goalies. I just don't. And you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a really tough position. I don't know that there's a position like it aside from quarterback in the NFL that can like literally sink your season, but I don't know. I don't know how you solve it. So and, like, and it, yeah. Un- unlike quarterback, it's like super unpredictable who the good goalies are going to be too. It's like all over the place. So, but I mean, the good news is you get two of them, right? So I think what the Leafs need to do a better job of is making two bets with their goalies instead of one. I, 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 I always say this. I, this is my fault. If I was a GM, I would always go with two goalies who potentially could, could lead the way for you to win a championship. I would never have a Michael Hutchinson in net. You can't. I mean, you can look at like basically every cup team in the last however many years has used both their goalies and obviously the extreme well not even the extreme like last year feels different with jordan biddington but it it, it sort of isn't like the backup ends no, up becoming the starter and 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 wins them the cup matt murray same it's thing. just it's just like any other position 
I would argue even more so. Like having depth organizationally is important. If the Leafs had a better number three goalie, if they had some kind of guy that could have come in, maybe they win more games and Hutchinson's in the minors faster than he was. And yeah, I, I like I said, I don't. I like wh- we've had this conversation. We had we had a whole podcast where I was talking about what's the point of Casimir Kaskasu. You know, I, I'm fine with having one young goalie like Joseph Wool, Wool down with the Marlies, but you like, I don't know. I don't get it. I think that something was missed organizationally with the Leafs and the way they approach the goaltending. And hopefully this season for the Leafs sake is a catalyst for them to think about it differently and do some things well, different. And that, that includes with the Anderson contract. Well, so I wonder like how organizationally you do things different because we know that the generally spending high draft picks on goalies isn't no, really no, a good no. investment, but then no. where do you find young goalies? Well, there's always lots of goalies future? on, there's lots of goalies in Europe. There's lots of goalies in the KHL. Mm-hmm. There's lots of goalies in free agency. I think the key is it's harder to evaluate goalies and it's hard to evaluate young goalies. Like if the draft is 18 year olds, like good luck knowing what a goalie is going to be when he's 18. That's the problem with using high picks on them. You know, look at, Look at Jack Campbell. I mean, look where he was picked. Look at Jonathan Bernier. Look at like, there's lots of guys who are just like kind of meh goalies that teams used really high picks on. And then there's dominant goalies that were late picks or undrafted guys. You know, where was, where was Robin Lehner picked? You know, where was, there's, there's tons of examples in NHL history. Um, But every year there's free agents. Every year there's guys in Europe. Every year, all I'm saying is make, I think make two bets. And I think probably two Jonas don't spend a lot of money on a goalie on both your goalies. Don't like, that's one thing. Like you can criticize Carolina. They're not using much of their cap space on the goaltending. You know, they've, they've got, well, and they're getting value for that. They're, they're getting what they paid for. Yes. That's the key too. Right. So like the Leafs aren't getting value for what they're paying for their goalies this year. Well, so the original question was what would the term and dollar figure look like? I I I wouldn't do it. So I I don't I don't even know what I would offer that I'd be. Yeah, happy I don't with. think like, I even would if do it was it like even if it was a two year extension for the same money, I don't think I would do it. I just it's too. And this gets back to something that that Ray touched on last year, and I think is a really valid point in question. Outside of like the Marners and the Matthews and guys like that, it's probably almost never wise to sign a guy before you need to like Ray brought up like Justin Hall and Pierre Engvall and like the Hall contract I think is fine. Um, the Engvall one we'll see, but like, I, I think there's something to getting you're in the emotion of the season. You're feeling good about player X. So you sign him before you need to. And, and, and it I feels like there's some risk to too. that. Like, it's probably fine too. Yeah. But, you could trade that guy in a second. He's like six five and jacked and like fast. Like another team would take that contract in like a heartbeat. You're never going to get stuck with him in the minors ever. He'll get claimed on waivers in a second. So like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that contract. There's nothing. But I guess wrong the idea contract. is the idea is fair. Yeah, and it, it goes back to like even the Bozaks and the Van Riemsdyk and the Gardners, and and even like I remember this was a lesson I learned just covering the team is uh, John Michael Lyles. I remember writing a story about him for TSN not long after they signed him and after he was playing well, saying like the deal looks good, like the trade looks good. And then obviously like things changed. He changed. He got hurt. I think he had a concussion while they signed him. And then it just went off the rails. 
Well, and Carlisle hated him too, right? Like I think they signed him when Wilson was still the coach. I think they signed him when Wilson was still the coach, I want to say. I think I remember they signed Oh, I'm getting my timeline all jumped. But they gave they gave him four years. I like John Michael Lyles, actually. He's a great guy. He was a solid player. He went on to play a bunch more years in the league. Um, Randy Carlisle forced him down to the minors because he didn't like he was small and, and skilled, but he could he was an NHL player. It's just they gave him three point eight million. Like that's a pretty big mistake to give a guy who's probably going to be a depth defenseman three point eight million when he's older and when he's coming off an injury. Yeah, you're exactly. you're right. Like, but but you can't. I don't think you can go too extreme with that. Like we've talked a lot of in the last couple months about the Leafs' lack of depth. Like you can't not pay everybody. That's you know you some guys who aren't your big guys have to make some money. Yeah, but um, what, what Ray was saying that I agreed with was you squeeze the Janssens and the Kapanens and yeah, I was yeah. really I was surprised they didn't do that last year. I was really surprised they didn't do that last year. I wonder like they signed them right before the right before free agency, right? I wonder if they were worried about offer sheets, but I don't know like who's going to offer sheet Andreas Janssen? Like, well, I don't. Know. I think you could make a case like at that point to, or on or Kasperi Kapanen. And he's kind of the next guy I want to talk about before we get into another listener question. I've been thinking more about this um, as the years gone on, especially of late before the pause. Like there were moments where you watch Kapanen and you're like, man, like he when he puts it together, he's a really interesting player. And I started thinking if I was watching that and I was Kyle Dubas, what would I think? Like, would that change my mind towards this offseason and maybe trading him? I don't think it 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 would. Um, given the need that they have on defense, would it change your mind at all? Like just what you saw in recent like weeks before everything went down? Yeah, I mean, I kind of think we know what Kapanen is. Like he's, yeah, I think you only trade him if you get a really good defenseman. So I haven't written anything about this. So like, I if you look at what they mostly need cap space, Jonas. Like I, I there's some guys in free agency on D that are. That could help the Leafs. So, if you just trade, they, they need to open a hole for two or three million dollars. So you could trade Andreas Janssen, um, maybe get a good young player or, or whatever. Maybe you get a pick or, or something, and you could use that cap space to sign a defenseman in free agency, and then you don't have to trade Kapanen at all. I wonder yeah. if that, like, you know, you could sign a Chris Tanev, or you could sign no, no, some no. kind of a right defenseman that goes into your top four that can kind of be a penalty killing, you know, there, there's some options in free agency on defense. So then you wouldn't have to trade. You wouldn't have to trade a captain. Well, and as far as like roster construction questions, like maybe that makes sense. Like why give up a 23 year old who's fast, who can score yeah. a bit. If you can just like, who go you out can on the bump into your top two lines someone? when someone's hurt, you know, if Marner or Nylander was hurt right now, they'd really need captain. Yeah. The next question we, we got, and this is a really good question for right now that I've been contemplating, um, is what's like the craziest thing we've covered uh, covering this team? What comes to mind for you? What's I can tell you what right comes now? to mind for me. You, like <laughs> what's number one right with a bullet? The yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, but like, okay, let's like let's let's erase this because this is like the craziest thing like we'll probably, hopefully, deal with in our lifetime. Hopefully. Um, but like, as far as yeah, covering I told the team, you and this, me are going to be at our rocking chairs on the porch in the retirement home talking about this this period. But as far as like covering the team, I was thinking like I went for a walk this morning just to kind of like think about what I was going to work on and stuff like that. And I and I started thinking about like 
Like, remember the the waffles and like, um, oh, yeah. obviously, Salute Gate was like a more prominent one. But like, there's just been some crazy stuff. What's like, what jumps to your mind as far as like the weirder stuff you've covered uh, around the team or even the league? Remember that that period with the waffles that was around when was that when the fans were chanting "Fire Ron Wilson"? Yes, Fire Ron so. Wilson, and they were playing the Panthers and they were losing. And some of those early seasons, I started covering the team. I think around two thousand and eight. Some of those early seasons were like it was year after year after just embarrassing failure, over and over and over again. Like the first year I started covering the team, it was like Vesa Toscala was letting in. He had like an 840 save percentage or something. And Cujo was bad and he was old. And Toscala was so bad that it was sinking their whole year. And the rest of the roster wasn't very good either. And and then they, you know, it was just like, it, it was, and Brian Burke was yelling at media people and, <laughs> that whole like at some point Jonas I want to write a book about my experiences covering the Leafs maybe after I've done it for like 20 years or whatever maybe I'll and just get into like I don't know it's it's been as like an outside observer I moved to Toronto in 2003 uh, from the west coast and I hadn't I had followed the Leafs kind of as like one of the teams in the NHL you know because I, I watched the NHL like I watched every team. I watched every playoff run, everything. I like So to me, the Leafs were just one of 30 teams. I didn't have any kind of special connection to them. And then five years later, I got a front row seat for them, the biggest team in hockey being just a complete disaster until, I mean, they were kind of a disaster until Shanahan got there, to be honest. Like the first like seven years and for you longer that I covered the team, they were they were a mess. They were doing just completely stupid things like the Clarkson contract and that 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 free agency of that whole period from 2013 where they played in the playoffs against Boston and blew it in game 7 and we were all booking hotel rooms to New York to cover round 2 and then then you flash forward another was it like another month to free agency and they just start doing crazy things like they buy out Grabowski like one year into his deal and they they trade for Dave Boland and Bernier and they sign David Clarkson i remember sitting in my condo at the time and just like I like almost had my head in my hands. I was like, "Oh my goodness, what like what are they doing?" And I wasn't like upset because the team was going to be bad. I was kind of just like, "I've covered this team for like six years, and it's like here we go again. Like this is going to be <laughs> this is going to end so badly. This is going to be like another three years of me writing how incompetent this group, this management group is, how these players aren't good. I don't know. It felt like Groundhog Day. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but that's like those first like. And then you put the waffle thing and you put the salute gate on top of that. And it's, it's like I said, I think there's a book in there to write about this whole period of the Leafs for like, you know, maybe you and I will work on it together. <laughs> well, you covered a lot of ground there. Some of that stuff, what, what came to mind for me is um, it was after salute gate, I believe. And there was a practice where they brought out three players i think it was three players um to talk to the media about everything that was going on and they brought out van reemsdyke i remember they brought out fanuf and i can't remember who else probably bozak and there was a reporter there who came um during i guess it was fanuf scrum and asked some 
question. I can't remember what he asked. Was that the it's, bite the head off the chicken? That one? was the bite the head off the chicken moment. And I'm like, it's like, oh my god, <laughs> what is happening here? Um, so like, yeah. So it was it was a reporter with like a news radio station, yes. and Fanuf was talking and saying his like boring like the thing the things he always did, kind of like, and it was a really tense time, and it was it was a really an embarrassment for the organization. And and the reporter just like comes out over the top and why don't Dion why don't you just bite the head off the chicken and say it or whatever it was like I don't know I don't know if they let that reporter in again to the to cover the team or not well he almost got in a fight it felt like with PR and like with security because he was just acting so that irrationally day? yeah like it was it was very tense it was very weird um, but there's been some strange moments it's interesting one thing that that's come to mind for me is like. The Grabowski one is really interesting because at the time there was, it was just so out of the blue. Like it was just so shocking that they would buy out like this very important, prominent player at that point. That was one part of it. And then they would use the money to go and sign David Clarkson. It almost feels like if that had happened today, it would have been a way bigger, uh, what's the word? It Management would have taken far more heat than they did at the time. They didn't and, get and I don't, any. Yeah. Honest, and, they, didn't, and it, they didn't get any. That was the other yeah. thing that was difficult. I, I felt like I was the only one that, other than like some of the blogs and stuff, I was the only one writing that. I wrote a story a couple days after that happened and I said the problem with David Clarkson. I was the only one that wrote that in the media. Uh, I don't know this, about that. I'm pretty confident I wrote that I don't think that this was a good idea, but I'm obviously not as strongly as you would have. And the blowback I got and remember at that point they had made the playoffs right and everyone was saying oh they almost won game seven and a lot of fans thought that was a good team there wasn't this embrace of the idea that analytics could be somewhat predictive of how good a team was there wasn't a, right there wasn't a lot of a lot of people thought Randy Carlisle was a good coach and that the team was on the upswing and that Phil Kessel was you know someone who could lead them somewhere and there was there was all these things um I don't know. I just there were some times there where like I was getting killed on social media, just like absolutely killed in those years. Well, one thing that never made sense to me, and it was very clarifying in what I try to do, is um, management wasn't like there was so much criticism of the players, and there was so much criticism of um, Kessel and Fanuf, and it was really clarifying for me at that time as. I was thinking, like, why isn't there any criticism of the, of the management? Like, those are their best players. The fact yeah. that they don't have any other good players is not about them. That's about management. Well, and that management group did a really good job of uh, being friendly with people. the media. <laughs> yeah, of being friendly with the media. And they didn't. They that was that was where they excelled was in building those relationships and. You know, good Burke, Nonus, the assistant GMs. So, and you can see the difference where, you know, the Leafs have had kind of a trying season this year, and I don't, I don't think those media relationships are as strong. So you see people coming over off the top rope to to take take runs at, at the management team now, uh, when the Leafs are in a much better position than they were in 2013. Well, and and part of that uh, to transition to what we'll get into next is they need to, we talked about this with Ray a little bit, but they need to start nailing 
draft picks. And, and obviously last year was really like the first Kyle Dubas year where everything is kind of set up. He's got his scouts. He's got his people in charge. Um, what do you like if you had to put a percentage chance that Nick, Nick Robertson is on the Leafs next year? What's that percentage? Oh, it's pretty high. I'm actually I'm working on a Nick Robertson story right now. Or I was before the, the shutdown. I might as well finish it, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty high. I mean, I think at least you give him the nine games to start the season if if there is a season next year. Um, I th- I would say like 80% chance he gets the nine games to show you what he can do. And you give him preseason, you give him those nine games. And if he – I think he could be a real boost. Uh, we were talking about this with, with Ray Ferraro. It's – he could be a boost to your third line or maybe even your second line. And there's another reason why you trade an Andreas Janssen because you got a guy coming on an entry-level deal that's – I mean, you look at his numbers, they're <laughs> they're pretty amazing. So that's that was a hell of a pick. And if he can come in and contribute right away, you know, there's a feather in the cap for the the new regime and, and the way that they, they draft players. Well, and if you can get a top-nine forward – making entry-level money that's that's great like that's what they had last year yeah they need some uh, more of those they that's what they need i I don't see any way that any team is trading for andreas johnson coming off like a six-month absence not good season three more seasons at 3.4 if they're trading you might just have to give them away you might just yeah but that that doesn't make sense that i don't think that makes sense um let's go off you need cap space you need cap space jonas like this happens all the time in the league where like you're well, if you're a team, you're not. I don't know how interested you are in taking on that contract. I'd, I'd, well, I'd, there's gonna be bad teams that like he's gonna be one of their top in their top six forwards. Yeah, I'll say to I'll say to the Leafs, thanks. I'll have Kapanen, or I'll have Kerfoot, or I'll have. Anyway, that's a different conversation. Are you uh, binging anything or reading anything to get off topic for a moment? You know what I did is I went and when it was clear what was gonna happen, I went and I bought a, P- a PlayStation Four. Wow. Um, which which I had been intending to do for I was gonna do it in the summer. Um, I, I'm not like a that big of a gamer, really. I was like in like college, I played more stuff, so I'm not really hip on what's like. But there have been a couple of games over the last like I don't know, I'd say like ten years that I was like, oh, that'd be that'd be interesting to play that. So, and my son's five now, so he's like kind of one of the best PlayStation Four games. That's come out the last, I don't know, five or six years is 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 Spider Man. Apparently, is like considered like this revolutionary, amazing game, and uh, it won. I think it won like Game of the Year and a bunch of stuff. So, like, obviously, my son like loves Spider Man. So, I was like, let's let's get a PlayStation Four. Let's get Spider Man. Let's <laughs> here's something we can do if we're stuck at home together for a month. Um, so that's what I did, and I'm just kind of. I installed it. I installed uh, Spider-Man and, and Fortnite. I don't know. Do you know what Fortnite is? It's like what the players were all playing like two years ago. I have like a vague understanding of what it is. Yeah. It's like a battle game. They they take a, you. So I started playing that. They, they take a hundred people and they all throw you and you parachute in onto this map. It's like an island. And you just like you fight to like be the last one on the island. It's it's super interesting. It's interesting to me, but like there's all these cultural things that have happened in like video games. Video games have become more and more and more prominent over the last 10 years. Um, I think with like millennials and you're not a big video game guy, right? You almost, you almost never talk about video games. 
No, when I was like younger, we didn't have like video games. And then as I got a little older, we'd have them on like computers. So I'd have baseball and hockey and football. And then I'd play like Madden. I'd play like NHL, whatever, 99. And I would keep things like exactly as they were in real life. So if this line was playing together, I'd like make sure it was up to date and all that kind of stuff. I was doing that on the Sega Genesis back yeah. with like NHL oh, yeah. 94 or 95. Yeah, I used to update and you only got 20 created players maximum. So I would have the game for like a year and there would be more rookies than 20 and I would like make a list of my mine was like insane. I was like like I remember creating Daniel Alfredson and all these guys uh-huh. as they were rook, rookies in the league, but you could only have 20. So I would have to I would like make a carefully curated list of who the best 20 players who weren't in the game were and I would create them and like make all their stats and it was like the amount of time I spent on that game was just ridiculous. And I would play these seasons with, you know, I, I would often play with the Edmonton Oilers or the Vancouver Canucks. And yeah, I still have my Sega Genesis in, the, in that game. Wow. But I, got, I would like, I would make so many trades to keep up with the regular season and create so many players that it would like overload the disc and it would reset <laughs> and it would go back to factory settings after like a couple of months of that. It just couldn't take the abuse of what I was doing to it. So. Well, now obviously you can like update all that stuff. Probably, I would imagine. Like, yeah, instantly. I don't really like. I don't really like. Have you played the newer hockey games? Like, I think the last one I had was like 2012 or 2013. I think 2013 I had for PlayStation Three. I don't really like the new. I wish someone would make like the old games, but with the new rosters and like a bit better graphics. Because I think the old game, like the playability, the fun level of. It's more like an arcade style kind of hockey game, like big hits and like you'd like. Well, do you remember uh, Wayne Gretzky's? And, what was it called? Uh, Wayne Gretzky's something, yeah. something. Yeah, Wayne that Gretzky. That was like hockey, it was like yeah. two on two or something or three on three, and it was so much fun. That was like N sixty four, right? I think. I think it was yes. Nintendo sixty four had that. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting you're not watching. So so we've been watching uh we paused like we we paused. Nice. Um, well, I got Homeland. two little kids and like I don't know. Have you watched Homeland? Homeland? Uh, no. That feels like it'd be too intense for the time we're in. It's intense, but it's not related to this. Well, like there's that movie Contagion which I remember watching like years ago that's become popular again and that I'm definitely not watching. I don't want to like envision so- where this is going. Jonas, I went on Netflix yesterday and my wife and I were looking for something to watch. And the number one movie on Netflix right now is Contagion. <laughs> yeah. It's the most it's, watched. And if all of the movies at the top are all like these like disaster movies, everyone's just like, I don't know. One of the games, actually, I did get another game for the PlayStation. One of the games people told me to recommend it I get is called Last of Us. So I got that and I put it on. And it's like basically like an apocalyptic like everyone turns into a zombie game and it's like, I played it for like 10 minutes and like, I was like, I'm not playing this anymore. This is like the wrong headspace to get into right now. Yeah. We need like happy stuff. That game, by the way, was called Wayne Gretzky's 3d hockey. So good. Great times. Um, 98. Yeah. Any, any other leaf topics you want to talk about before we wrap and, and next week we're going to kind of change how we do this a little bit. We're going to explore, I think, one topic and kind of have fun with it. Um, Cause this is like as, as horrible as everything is, it, it does give us an opportunity to kind of look at some things that we wouldn't normally look at, work on some stories we wouldn't normally work on. Um, anything else come yeah. to mind for you? Well, you know what? One thing I'll say is that 
I mean, first of all, thank you to the people that have subscribed and aren't canceling and are sticking with us. I think that our content over the next, I mean, the reality is that our site is, I don't know if I want to say strongest, but like, I think our off season content is, is really, really good. You know, if you look at the numbers for, you know, engagement and when people are signing up to read us, you know, May and June and July are really strong for the athletic. And we're still going to have that content. Like there's still going to be an off season. We're still going to <clears throat> do a really good job with that content. Um, and, and, but as you said, we're, we're getting creative. And I think that some of the stuff we're getting creative with is, is going to be worthwhile for people to read. And, you know, you know, people are stuck at home and they're looking for distractions and they're looking for stuff that's not about what's going on in the real world. We're going to try and fill that void to some extent. We're going to try and give people some interesting things to read. Um, and it's, you know, you and I are going to be on the phone and we're going to be talking to people and we're going to try and tell some stories. That's, that's our job, no matter what's happening. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing what some of our staff come up with. So, um, if you want to support the athletic and you don't subscribe yet, you can go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. And as I said, thank you to people that are sticking with us. Cause from what I can tell, I don't see, it's not like a whole bunch of people ran and canceled right away. And, and people are still reading our stuff every day. And we intend on, uh, we're like the players, Jonas. We intend on being ready for when hockey does come back. And it will come back at some point. We just don't know when. I don't think anybody knows when. I think that's the, the, the most unnerving part about all this is it's uncertainty. And uncertainty is not fun for anyone like in anything, let alone something like as weird and unusual and like as this like no, nobody knows where this is going um someone wants you to talk about jonas's hotel burgers what does that mean i don't know i saw that i'm not sure i do enjoy a good burger um you must have mentioned that on overdrive or something well sometimes you say something on overdrive and it becomes like a thing in some of these people's minds and they just i don't know it well, shows you how many people that listen happens, to that show right well that show's awesome and i I do not do it justice because I'm not, uh, I don't, it's just, they have such unique chemistry, those three guys. Um, yeah. But one so thing that did Ray come Ferraro up on the, on the I was yeah. going to say we had Ray Ferraro on last week. People, if people didn't hear that, they should listen to that show. And we did like an hour and 20 minutes or whatever with him. And I was sitting in that and it's like, man, this is just like, this is so easy. This is like, this is like being with one of the best hockey broadcasters, best sports broadcasters in the world. Like we could have sat there and talked to Ray for like four hours and that's what overdrive when you listen to it, it just sounds so easy and entertaining. And it's like what I, I love sports radio. I love, I've always have when I was a kid, I used to listen to it all the time. There was this show in Vancouver called Dan Russell sports talk, which made a huge impact on, on me uh, when I was young and my love of hockey. And they used to just have good guests. They would have Pat Quinn on all the time and they would have these interesting conversations about hockey and, that's that's what Overdrive's like. That's what Ray Ferraro is like. That's what we're trying to do with this show. Anyway, sorry I interrupted you. No, that's that's exactly like we could have talked. We we did. We we hung out with Ray after we finished recording for like a couple more hours and just shot the shit. Like you can do that with Ray. Yeah, we have a glass of wine. Yeah. Um, Talked about it if the world was ending. Yeah, and and obviously the Rudy Gobert stuff hadn't happened then, and. It's you know what would be unfortunate um, in in some ways and just like again not important in the in the big scheme of things, but just like little things like Matthews was going to score fifty goals and now 
as you said, the regular season probably is done. The season may be done. So that, that'll be scratched off. It's just like, it's, it's really interesting. Like as far as teams are concerned, like you build your team, uh, like look at the St. Louis blues, for example, um, like they're defending or trying to defend their cup. And after this year, like Alex Petrangelo's a free agent, maybe he stays, maybe he doesn't stay, but like, it's a year of like good Alex Petrangelo gone potentially. Like it just, yeah. it's just stuff you, you never had to contemplate. Um, like I'm thinking about it, like in NBA terms, like the Clippers signed Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but they're only on two year contracts and then those guys could leave. So if the season goes away, They've got one more year and then those guys could essentially bolt and they traded all these draft picks. Like it will be interesting to see how front offices adapt, like moving ahead to start to have to like, at least consider in the back of their mind, what do we do if like worst case scenario X happens? Like, I wonder if that was ever part of the planning. I I can't imagine it would have been. No, no. And now it will be. One thing that people asked, I, People, uh, Kyle Williams asked for a movie, TV show, and book recommendations. Do you have more other than Homeland? Uh, I do. Uh, give me a sec. Yeah, I'm going to watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's what I want to do. I've never seen that show. I, I wow. love that. Oh, I love that best. kind of humor. And I, I know everyone says that. And I, and like, that's like my kind of show too. And I love Larry David. And I, it, I don't know why I've never seen it. I don't know where That's, I'm going to get it. I got to find somewhere how to like. Where do you stream that? It's on Crave. I don't know if you've ever. If okay. you sub- I subscribe. I don't have to that. Crave. I signed. Oh, that one of the thing I did is I signed up for Disney Plus. So the kids are. I was watching the, uh, you know, you know the old Jungle Book cartoon. I was watching that with my daughter, who's like almost two. She loved it. She loved that cartoon. So. Oh my god! But like, I remember it, watching Disney, that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's like in like the the bare necessities and all that stuff. She was like dancing around the living room, and it's so cool to take these things that you loved when you were a little kid and like show it to a two year old, and they've never seen it before, and their brain just lights up. And so, okay, do you know what was um, Veep? If you want another comedy show, is amazing. Okay, who's in um, that? That's Julia Louis Dreyfus from Seinfeld. Oh, cool. Yeah. So speaking of Bubble Boy, is it the Moops or is it the the Moors? It's the Moors. Do you remember that? Did you watch I have no Seinfeld? Idea what you're talking. Yeah. You don't remember the Moors? That's the Bubble Boy episode. Oh, okay. It's the yeah, I, do. I can't remember. Uh, as far as do you know what I read last year that that now feels jarring. Another crazy thing. I read a book called Astro Ball. I think Chris Johnson gave it to me. Obviously, it didn't touch on the big scandal. <laughs> That happened to the Houston Astros. Um, oh yeah, right. People so, said that that book's that book's bullshit now. If you, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I get it. Like how how could he have known? I mean, anyway. I feel bad though. Like that's like the worst feeling in the world when like. Have you ever had that where like a source kind of dupes you or like someone misleads you a little bit and then like you believe it and you put it in a story and it's like ah oh. sure like it's just it's so frustrating when that like when. Sometimes what is truth or what is right isn't always clear. And sometimes different people believe different truths about things. And our job is to try and figure out what the, what the actual right answer is. And I mean, I don't know the kind of books that I have read. I, I did, I, I studied English literature when I was in school. And so like, I got really into, you know, some of the, some like obscure, like I really liked like good short story writers and stuff. And I, Raymond Carver was one of my favorite people when I was in school. 
I don't know if you've ever heard of, but he was like a really, he, he was part of minimalism. So like if people want to read something that's completely different, Raymond Carver's kind of interesting. Um, there was, a, and so another thing I read when I was in school was kind of like obscure science fiction books. And there was this one, it was called the war with the newts. And it was written by uh, Carol Capic, who was a Czech, a writer from the Czech Republic. I thought uh, that was a book I always liked. I don't know. I read lots of really weird stuff in school. So if people want something different, there's a couple suggestions. I don't even know if you can find some of that stuff, but. <laughs> go to the library. Uh, can we go to the library? I think you can still go to the library. I don't know. Right. I, think that th- I think those are getting close soon. Well, good. I just checked out a, a book called Blowout. It's about the oil industry that I just started. Uh, all right. So we'll be back next week. Since uh, there will be no games, there will be no practices, but we will find some interesting leaf stuff to kind of dig into. Um, so James, stay safe. Everyone stay safe and be nice to people. Stay inside. Listen to what the government's saying. Uh, you know, let's... We can we can we can get through this. I think we can figure this out, right? So just we'll just be, be okay. smart, be smart. All right. Thanks for talking. Talk listening. to you next week. Thanks, James. Thanks, everyone. Bye.